This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Oh, we'll see you tomorrow. Leland on Balance starts right now. Tonight, shouted down, residents in Athens, Georgia, go crazy when their mayor defends his sanctuary city. What we wish to do is dignify everybody's humanity. There's nothing in that resolution. New details on the violent Venezuelan charged with Lake and Riley's murder. Why Biden and Trump's visits to the border tomorrow won't do anything to solve the problem. Out of touch. I have many faults. Misunderstanding politics is not one of Mitch McConnell hangs it up. Does this give Trump full control of the Republican Party? Texas burns. Flames now consume an area the size of Rhode Island. We're live on the front lines of hell on earth. And Google finally says it. Sorry. An apology for its AI rewriting history in the dumbest way possible. Why nobody will get fired for woke code that created black Nazis. Start this Wednesday evening with breaking news in the presidential race, but from the Supreme Court. Supreme Court just announced they will hear arguments in President Trump's immunity case Those oral arguments will take place on April 22nd. This is separate from the Colorado ballot access case. So it could be at least a month until we get a ruling on the immunity case. That would put a ruling sometime in May. Special Counsel Jack Smith asked the justice to take up the case as soon as possible. Prosecutors want an answer, and they want Trump on trial in Washington, D.C. before the election. Now it's a very real prospect that an actual Trump trial will be delayed until after the election. This is the trial for Trump's actions on and around January 6th. It was one a lot of liberals hoped would be the one to keep Donald Trump out of the White House. Tom Dupree is on deck to break it all down for us. But first, as we welcome you to the Ferris Show on television, before the Supreme Court arguments, there will be a showdown along the Rio Grande. In 24 hours, everybody will be talking about President Biden and former President Trump's dueling visits. Brownsville, Texas for Joe Biden. We'll talk about why in a little while. Eagle Pass for Donald Trump. They are a little more than 300 miles apart. But tonight, we already know what they'll say. Biden will blame Republicans for failing to pass immigration reform legislation. Trump will blame Biden for the open border and for the death of Lakin Riley. She's the University of Georgia student who was killed last week. 
They're both right, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, in the sense that both of them share the blame in not securing our southern border. Of course, blaming each other does absolutely nothing to solve the problem, and we're going to get to the politics of it in a moment. But in Athens, Georgia, people are still very much on edge. Lake and Riley's family deserves answers. The entire community deserves answers. Her friends deserve answers. Lakin, of course, is the 22-year-old nursing student allegedly killed by an illegal immigrant from Venezuela. We've shown you all week how the system worked for the suspect in Riley's death, Jose Abaria. He came across the border. He claimed asylum. He got set free by the Border Patrol. He got arrested in New York and was released again. And he showed up in the sanctuary city of Athens, Georgia, where he is now accused of murder. The mayor of Athens says he won't change the city's policies. Our Alex Capriello asked the mayor directly about his message to Riley's family. Debate whether or not Athens is a sanctuary city. The fact of the matter is Jose Ibarra and at least four or five other undocumented immigrants were living in that apartment. So I want to know whether or not you feel as city leaders that you owe the Lake and Riley family an apology for allowing that to happen in the first place. We are deeply sorry for this tragedy. The responsibility for this crime rests solely upon the perpetrator. In other words, no. He doesn't seem to think his city's policies had anything to do with the death, the murder of Lake and Riley. Alex is back with us. He's been mapping out Abaria's movements and some new details from the case. We're going to get, and I, I want to get Alex to that meeting with the mayor, uh, that press conference, some of the details there. But what have you figured out about the case so far today? Yeah, look, even as early as this afternoon, I still saw investigators and police detectives combing the woods where Lake and Riley's body was found. So I decided to map it out myself so I can give our viewers an up-close look at the actual scene where that grisly murder occurred. Take a look. These hike and bike trails are beloved to the University of Georgia student body, and they're also dangerously close to where the suspect, Jose Ibarra, lived. Right beyond that hill is his studio apartment, where neighbors say that he would sit outside all day long watching people go by, including Lake and Riley, who used that apartment complex as a shortcut to get to this path leading to the University of Georgia campus. I'm now walking on that trail, heading towards the intramural fields at the University of Georgia campus, where police say Lake and Riley's friend frantically called 911 after she didn't return home from her morning run. A search was launched, and police found her body deep within these woods without a pulse and not breathing unconscious. On top of the murder charge that Jose Ibarra also faces, he's also accused of concealing her death, meaning he dragged her body deep within here to conceal it from other runners. Back here on the University of Georgia campus, we've seen memorials just like these pop up everywhere. This isn't far from where Lake and Riley's body was found. We've witnessed as students stop by, drop off flowers, and pray. In fact, this whole city is in mourning, and they hope for justice for Lake and Riley and her family. Now, of course, the campus is back up and running, but you can certainly still feel a very large weight on top of it. Meanwhile, no arraignment still scheduled yet for the suspect, Jose Ibarra. All right, Alex, a couple of questions. Great reporting. First of all, that search deep into the woods, uh, were they using helicopters? Were they using dogs? Why is it that police all of a sudden mobilized so quickly from that 911 call versus saying, hey, we'll wait a few hours and see if she shows back up. Maybe she lost her phone. Well, it is really quite miraculous when you read these police documents because it was only shortly after noon that that first 911 call was placed 
Officers were on scene immediately. They went through the path because they know that that was the running trail that she typically used. And within minutes, they located her body unconscious, without a pulse, no breathing. And so it really was a miracle that they were able to find her so quickly. They did perform life-saving measures. We know that they performed CPR, that they even administered a defibrillator. Uh, But really, it was too little too late. All right. So you've got Athens, Georgia. It is a very blue city um, in what is now sort of a swing state. Mm -hmm. But obviously, Brian Kemp was elected there. You think of Georgia. You think of it as a conservative Republican state. Athens defies state law when it comes to how they deal with illegal immigrants. are there are there citizens there now, even college kids who typically be pretty liberal on these issues, who are are angry, scared, surprised? What's the emotion from folks? Yeah, I think everybody wants changes to occur. It starts with the student body, right? They are saying that they want to see improvements, and so the University of Georgia responded. They are going to invest more than $7 million in improvements, more lighting, more police that are actually patrolling, better cameras that are out there. But from the community members themselves, that's where we saw that largest uproar today during the press conference. They're demanding change. They want to see a resolution that was enacted back in 2019, rescinded, because the mayor was really trying to clarify during this press conference that this is not a sanctuary city, just a place where undocumented immigrants can actually come and find a safe haven. That certainly didn't go well. Let's take a look at that press conference from earlier this morning. What we wish to do is dignify everybody's humanity. There's nothing in that resolution that creates... You cannot uphold the law, not your feelings. Is it here in Athens, Clark County? You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You need to go, sir. Hmm. And if you didn't hear it right there and then, uh, that is them saying they want the mayor to resign effective immediately. And while Lake and Riley's death is certainly tragic and what appears to be an isolated incident from a very violent individual, the people here in Athens say that's just not true. They've seen evidence in the past over the years where undocumented immigrants are taking advantage of them and their city. Yeah, and we we know that the undocumented population, the illegal immigrant population, uh, knows where sanctuary cities are and and congregates there. It only only makes sense. Alex, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Stay on the case. Uh, Excellent reporting throughout the week. Chris Hahn is here, host of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast, also a News Nation contributor. It's good to see you. All right, this case has become national news. It's now the face of the immigration debate in America. Why hasn't President Biden, you think, called Lake and Riley's parents? Oh, I think he should. I think he will. Uh, I think that really look, you think he will, uh, you know, to, yeah, I think he will. Uh, he is okay. the consoler in chief and I think he will call them. And I think this is something that he should do, I think, as a president. Now, look, uh, to blame this death solely on the immigration crisis, we know that immigrants create uh, uh, commit crimes at a lower rate than the general public does. Uh, but this man was violent. Yeah, no, Chris, Chris I've, I've heard, I've, Chris, I've heard that, and, you know, I've, I've heard that argument, okay? But the fact of the matter remains that you've got a huge drop in the crime rate in Venezuela with all these guys leaving, and you've got a number of illegal immigrants, uh, Renes Montes, Stefan Claude Radigan, Santo Cruz Ramos, Ruhlman Lopez Nolasco, all arrested of extraordinarily serious crimes, all illegal immigrants who have come recently. The fact of the matter remains, if you had better controls at the border, okay, these crimes wouldn't have happened. Without Joe Biden's policies, Lake and well, Riley would know, be this, alive. 
Well, this guy uh, claimed asylum. The bill that was rejected by Trump and the Republicans would have sped up that process. And actually, with the timeline you showed at the beginning of the show, he would have been gone by now uh, under the new system. So if Republicans are really concerned about this, there was a bill that they can vote on. And they we should can- be voting on it instead of saving the issues for the election. All right, we can go around and around about voting and whether the bill would or would not have kicked this guy out. I don't think it would have. Well, let's talk I'm, about, I'm going by the timeline you presented. Let's talk about Joe Biden and Donald Trump's visit tomorrow to the border, yes. 300 miles apart. Uh, this is what I, is, is fascinating to me. Joe Biden, commander in chief, he says he's going to the border to check things out. He's going to Brownsville, Texas, where, as I understand it, uh, they had encounters, meaning Border Patrol picked up people sort of in the dozens. It is one of the least trafficked places, the least busy Border Patrol sector uh, on the whole border. Donald Trump is going to El Paso, Eagle Pass, uh, where you had the most number of crossings. Why is Joe Biden going to the place that doesn't have the biggest problem? Well, you go to a city where they want you to come, right? Uh, you know, President Biden's going to go to a more Democratic city. Uh, mm-hmm. Former President Trump is going to go to the most Republican part of the state where there is a border crossing problem. Yeah, but you know, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 Han. This is not about, this isn't supposed to be about politics. This is supposed to be about the President of the United States, the Commander in Chief, saying there is a crisis on the border. Isn't he supposed to go to the place where the crisis exists the worst? Well, he's going to the border. They've been calling for him to go to the border. He's going to the border. I personally don't think that the politics of border policy is actually going to be that, you know, determine the election. We saw in New York last month that it was the only thing Republicans voted uh, uh, ran on and they lost horribly. Uh, And it will happen again. If the Republicans want to make this election about the border, they will lose yet another election running on the border. People want to know about things that are right in front of them. And for most of America, it is not right in front of them. And Joe Biden will not be competitive in Texas. So there's virtually oh, nothing, no, 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 okay, nothing about the border issue that is going to be is going to be determined. In this I, we make a lot of noise about it. I, I look, I was with you for a little while that nothing's going to change because presidents go places. It's about how you, symbolism and what you show in the same way yes. uh, that we know if Lakin Riley was a little black girl who'd been killed by two white guys, Kamala Harris would be at the funeral. Uh, I don't think Kamala Harris is showing up at Lakin Riley's funeral. I was with you, though, that nothing's going to change uh, because of the trip to the border. I completely disagree with you that this isn't something that is going to affect voters in Georgia. This is on their doorstep because somebody who came across an open border killed a young woman at the University of Georgia. This is going to be in in Michigan, in Pennsylvania. You've got people getting arrested who are illegal aliens committing crimes. How is this not going to be on people's minds? I've been on on a lot of campaigns, Leland, and I've seen this issue brought up by the other side almost every time. And it is never what determines the election, especially things that happen in February, by the way. It will not determine the election, not even in Georgia. It'll be other things like the economy, like other things that matter to Americans as they think about their own personal lives and their daily lives. Yeah, there are some people who will vote on this issue. They are in the base of the Republican Party already, and they are not making up their mind to vote for a Democrat. Anybody whose number one issue is the border will not vote for Joe Biden. The Republicans have successfully demagogued on this issue 
even as they blocked progress here. And as for Trump's numbers at the border, hey. but for COVID and Title oh, 42 yeah. shutting Chris, the border Chris, down, Chris, they're Chris, basically I was gonna, the same I, numbers. I, Chris, I was trying, Chris, I was trying to be gracious and give you the last word. You took the last four paragraphs. Um, it's good to see you, my friend. Sorry. Thank you, as always. Excellent conversation. Nice. We invite you to sign up for War Notes. Gives you a free look at the show every day at 4 p.m., our thoughts on the most important stories of the day, how we're looking at them, how we're covering them. Uh, you can respond to the email. We read every one, respond to some of them on air. That's warnotes.com and at Leland Vitter on Instagram and Twitter. Next, did the Supreme Court just throw the Trump campaign a lifeline? Breaking news on the immunity case that very well could completely change the presidential election, the new timeline when we come back and Google apologizes for depicting Nazi soldiers as young Asian girls. But they actually didn't apologize why they did when we come back. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Back now to our breaking news. The Supreme Court will hear Donald Trump's claims of absolute presidential immunity. The court is going to hear the case with oral arguments on April 22nd. Here's the former president explaining his view. Presidential immunity is imperative. It's going to be very, very important. As a president, you have to have immunity. Very simple. I was entitled as president of the United States and commander-in-chief to immunity. All right, special counsel in the case, Jack Smith, asked the Supreme Court to take up the case as quickly as possible. He probably did not have the end of April in mind. The case centers around President Trump's behavior on or around January 6th. It's widely seen as the most serious federal case. And it will be in federal court in Washington, D.C. So if there were to be a trial, that's still a big if, fair to say Washington, D.C. will have the least Trump-friendly federal jury pool, certainly less friendly than Florida. Tom Dupree has argued many cases before the court, former deputy assistant attorney general under George W. Bush, the man we turn to in hours like this. Your phone blew up at about uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon, my friend. What is the court trying to do here with this timeline? Right. Well, they understand they need to decide this expeditiously, and it is actually on a lightning fast schedule by Supreme Court standards. They said today that they're going to accept the case for review. They're going to hear argument at the end of April, which means that we can anticipate a decision probably sometime in May, but possibly not until June. But under any scenario, Leland, we're looking at a very significant delay in the trial court by a number of months, potentially, potentially pushing this whole trial past back past the election. Okay, so you said potentially, and there's two things to break down here. One is that the Supreme Court could have said, hey, we're going to hear this under our normal schedule, and that would have pushed the trial for sure off uh, until after the election. Instead, they had this expedited thing that if they rule against Trump and say, no, you got to stand trial, that would put the trial right up next to the election. You're talking, what, July, August, at the earliest for a trial date? Now, all of a sudden, you're you're putting a a presidential candidate of one of the two major parties after the convention on trial. 
how how does that work? How does the Justice Department make that decision? How does the trial court make a decision of whether they're willing to, and I hate to use this word, but interfere in an election like that? Exactly. And look, it is going to put the Justice Department in a very, very difficult situation. Because as you know, the Justice Department has a longstanding policy that basically when an election approaches, they go dark. They will not indict. They will not make significant prosecutorial decisions in a case when it could have the effect of affecting the outcome of the election. So Merrick Garland is going to have to make a very hard decision when this case, assuming that the justices don't grant Trump immunity. But if they say we're going to go back to the trial court, there will be a trial. Merrick Garland is going to have to make the decision about whether he can, in good conscience, prosecute Trump in, say, July, August, September, when we're just months away from the presidential election. All right. So this is Ted Cruz, senator from Texas, uh, obviously uh, has a has some strong opinion, shall we say, um, on on this issue. Take a listen. You know, banana republics do this to each other. Right, when one party like, gets Senator, in power, the they try to lock up and put right. in jail their opponents. Banana republics also give complete immunity to their leaders. Do you think that the president of the United States, whoever he or she is, should have complete immunity? I think that President Trump's conduct as president was not criminal. All right. So fair to say he dodged on that. Can the Supreme Court say, no, you don't have absolute immunity as president. You can't, to use the the idea that was brought up by the appeals court, you can't send SEAL Team 6 to go uh, kill your political rivals. But he does have immunity over what he is being charged with. Or the laws that Jack Smith has sort of that his he's turned into a pretzel to indict Donald Trump don't apply here. Yeah, and look, former President Trump is making in a very very aggressive assertion of immunity here. The Supreme Court, no court has ever endorsed the broad scope of immunity that Trump is arguing for. They have recognized much more limited presidential immunity. We saw that in the context of civil so is, cases. Is there is there a is there a yeah. danger? Is there a danger for Donald Trump's lawyers? In overreaching, right, in saying I am immune from everything, which forces the Supreme Court and any reasonable person to say, no, you're not immune from everything. We're a nation of laws, not of men. Absolutely, there's a danger. I mean, if you're asking the Supreme Court to accept that SEAL Team 6 hypothetical, you're probably not going to win on that, right? And so if you're in the Trump defense camp, I think one thing you have to be thinking is, can we give the Supreme Court a way to rule narrowly? rule in Trump's favor, give him immunity in this case from these charges, mm. but not go so far as to say presidents are immune from anything, including trying to kill their political opponents. Yeah, I keep thinking about how the justices are trying to play this to give themselves, you, you said the, the words, an off-ramp, right? They, they don't want to decide the election, um, how, they, how they do that. All right, uh, April 22nd, uh, this is your booking call. You are now booked for April 22nd, probably the 21st as well. Put it on your calendar. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, Linda. Google's CEO, Sundar Pichai, issued a non-apology. It was an apology non-apology for its history rewriting AI machine. They couldn't say if Hitler was bad. Literally, it couldn't. When asked to create pictures of America's founding fathers, it spit out images of African-Americans in colonial garb. The best or worst example was it creating pictures of Asian and black Nazi soldiers. Literally, the programmers were so woke they made black Nazis. Apologies can be great, and 
In America, we all want somebody who realizes their mistakes, says they're sorry. But when you read the letter from Sundar, he doesn't really say what he's apologizing for, doesn't acknowledge the problem. I know that some have its responses offended our users and shown bias. To be clear, that's completely unacceptable. We got it wrong. Well, you got what wrong? How did you show bias? Didn't answer. Google's head AI programmer, Jack Karswak, created an AI machine that rewrote history. You might remember the machine he created couldn't tell users who was worse, Elon Musk or Hitler. People asked Google AI multiple times. And we know why he did that. His since-deleted tweets read like something from a neo-Marxist handbook. White privilege is effing real. Don't be an a-hole and act guilty about it. Do your part in recognizing bias at all levels of egregious. What he created wasn't bias, though. It was Orwellian. It rewrote history. Just imagine if Jack's AI machine depicted civil rights marchers in the 1960s as white. That would be rewriting history. And Jack would now be out of a job. AI will soon make major decisions in many parts of our lives, like healthcare. You don't really realize it, but Jack, the guy who's programming the Google AI machine, has enormous power over what our future looks like. And the way he has programmed it, it will have us living in some weird Soviet dreamland. For all the complaints by conservatives that liberals are trying to rewrite history and reality, maybe you should just ask Google. Coming up next, Republicans double down on Hunter Biden. Where did he get the money for all the cocaine and hookers and fancy cars? There are no good answers. Why the case is still a loser for Republicans. What we just witnessed over the last hour was, I think, a deep sea fishing expedition because the Republican case has completely fallen apart over the last several weeks. Hunter Biden is being defiant and also dishonest. And his testimony, some of it, is in direct conflict with other witnesses. And so the transcripts will be out. I won't go into detail. You'll be able to see it for yourself. All right. That's Nancy Mace, Congresswoman from South Carolina. And to be fair, defiant and at times dishonest or at least disingenuous, describes, well, a lot of her colleagues in Congress as well. Here's the problem for Republicans. Being defiant and dishonest isn't necessarily a crime. And what they need is to prove that Hunter Biden committed crimes. More specifically for Republicans, they want to link Joe Biden to Hunter Biden. Your son being dishonest is not a crime. Hunter Biden traded on his family name and his father's position for personal gain of millions, if not tens of millions of dollars. We know that. It's wrong and it should be illegal. It may not be illegal, but it should be. And we all can agree that nobody would buy Hunter's art for $500,000 if his last name wasn't Biden. Hunter Biden got special treatment over and over and over because of his name. Then there's Joe Biden. Somehow, after 50 years of only making a government salary, Joe Biden owns multiple multi-million dollar mansions. There are some serious questions about the legality, you might call it, of Biden, Inc. But Republicans keep getting farther, not closer to the quid, quo, quo, quid pro quo financial link between Hunter and his father. That'll teach me to try and speak Latin. Think what you want of Hunter. Think how terrible he is. What Republicans are doing is not working. They keep losing at this game. Eric Erickson's here, host of The Eric Erickson Show, author of Show Notes, the best newsletter in conservative media. 
I wish it came out a couple of hours earlier, but thank you for doing it. It's a great, a great piece of uh, the Internet. Eric, this is what I can't figure out. Republicans have real issues to, uh, to run on. The border, crime, the economy, and yet they keep going down this Hunter Biden dead end month after month after month. Why? Because it, it's an itch they have to scratch. Donald Trump was impeached twice, so now they've got to do payback to Joe Biden, uh, largely to placate the base. The, the base wants revenge. It doesn't matter that the Senate won't convict him, and actually it only matters slightly that there might not even be enough votes in the House to do it. They've just got to do it to placate the base because they told the base they would impeach Joe Biden since the Democrats impeached Trump. It's just keeping a promise that should have never been made. All right, so what's worse, and I mean this legitimately for Republicans, trying and failing, which they might, or just saying, hey, we, we need to elect Donald Trump and then we're going to go investigate Joe Biden. Honestly, I think they should go with the latter and say we need to investigate Donald Trump and, and investigate because if they don't have the votes to get it through the House, and they may not with, with a number of the retirements of Republicans who are no longer yeah. accountable to voters, suddenly you've disaffected the base and, and really made them mad. Like, what's the use of a majority if you guys aren't going to do it? At the other level, and I wonder about this, you think about Hunter Biden's finances, $10 million in legal fees, $20,000 a month in child support, a total of $750,000, selling his artwork, he's getting loans, obviously he had some very shady business dealings, on and on and on. Even Donald Trump has given up talking about Hunter on the stump. Is that because it doesn't work to motivate voters? It doesn't. Uh, if we're a core section of Donald Trump's base, it does. But people are way more interested in the border. They're more concerned about the border. They're more concerned about the economy and Israel. They're more concerned about so many other things. It's always been a distraction for the GOP to spend so much energy going down this road. Look, it, 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 there was a moment, perhaps when the whistleblower who said there was a bribe didn't turn out to be lying. Some other things, it, it looked like there was a there was a real link that you could have made between Joe and Hunter. And today, Democratic source says he admitted that he sent that message. I'm sitting here with my father on and on. He passed off that he was high on drugs at the time. Um, it, you, you know, Hunter admitted to doing things that you'd certainly think got close to the smoking gun. Um, here is uh, the Republicans after the interview today. Take a listen. We've had a lot of interviews and depositions over the last six weeks, uh, but with each interview, we learn more information. Uh, we, do, we find uh, more uh, potential evidence that needs to be obtained, more uh, hints, more accusations that need to be investigated. Vice President Biden uh, used his office. His son used his father's position. They peddled that influence. Uh, it depends on what documents they have. And let's face it, the Bidens have not exactly been forthcoming in cooperating with the investigators here. I don't know about you, Eric. You're a lawyer. I'm not. Feels like the Republicans are really trying to lower expectations. I, I, I think they are. Behind the scenes, more and more of them say they don't actually think they've gotten what they thought they had. Uh, they might have misconstrued some information. They're trying to, to point towards the indictment of, of one of the guys who was a whistleblower by the Department of Justice claiming that there, there's, this is witness tampering. And yet even that's gotten very quiet in the last week, I, I think they really went in with so the theory of the case that's not panning out. Uh, the what's election, they, they'll keep it up until the election and, and then suddenly hope people get distracted. Huh. All right. 
Yeah, there's no good... there there, but they can't stop. They, they've got the car by, by the tire now. If they let go, they'll get run over by it. Yeah, it does seem like they're they're looking for an offer. I, forgive me, and I think you made the point, but it feels like this could backfire on them. It almost feels unfair at yeah, some yeah, listen, point. It, it could, and it depends. Notice that they're, other than some of the wilder members, they're less and less going out about this because I do think they've seen the polling that it does make Joe yeah. Biden a sympathetic figure to have such a screwed up son. Uh, so they can't take the offer because it alienates him from the base. All they can have is the election. You win the election, you can change the story. But until then, they decided to get in the car and drive, and they've got to keep their foot on the gas to placate members of the base who are very aggressively convinced that Joe Biden is a criminal because of what these members of Congress said. And they now can't say, oops, we were wrong because the base will run them over. Yeah, look, it's at some point, you got to prove what you say, uh, and people believe you. Right. Hey, Eric, or just always have good- an election and get distracted. <laughs> Well, there's a, there's a few things to distract us between now and November, and we'll, uh, yeah. we'll be grateful for your analysis and, analysis and helping us through it. Thank you, my friend. Good to see you. Thank you. Speaking Take of care. politics and distractions, Mitch McConnell steps down. How his feud with Donald Trump pushed Congress's best-known traditional conservative, well, perhaps is the last one, to the sidelines. Rewind TV, play back the 80s and 90s with TV's totally tubular characters. I'm a witch. Alex P. Keaton here. Play back the neon memories. Heavy duty. The major laughs. I think it's hysterical. Excuse me, if I just want to laugh, just a little. And the radical catchphrases. What you tell my words? Your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s are all in one place. Rewind TV. Just go to rewindtv.com and check it out. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others. That's what we were taught, service before self. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. When is the last time you reached out for help? If you or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances, employment, or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. With savings at the Home Depot, we'll get your kitchen clicking. With top brand appliances like a GE Profile refrigerator with convenient features like a built-in dual dispense autofill pitcher. Plus, with seamless shopping in-store and online, everything you need for your kitchen is just a click away. Final days to get up to $800 off select kitchen appliances from top brands like GE Profile at the Home Depot. Pricing valid February 8th through 28th. Gas ranges and dryers extra. U.S. only. See store or online for details. Where can the skills you learn with Ham Radio take you? Amateur Radio, often called Ham Radio, is the place where today's engineers got their start. Ham Radio is more popular than ever before. With hands-on training in electronics, engineering, and digital communications, modern hams interface computers and radios in entirely new ways. Ham Radio in the 21st century can take you around the world or into a whole new career. Learn more. Go to ARRL.org. Join us. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo GOAT G-O-A-T Acronym Stands for Greatest of All Time As in Spaghetti Sandwiches for Dinner They're my fave Dad You're the GOAT You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same 
visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Only one in five people with autism are employed, despite many having the skill set and desire to work. Maybe it's because employers don't know what kind of jobs they can do. Like, what about a programmer? That's a job for someone with autism. Uh, How about a healthcare worker? Yep, that is too. People with autism can do a lot of different jobs, but often get overlooked due to outdated stigmas. Introducing WIN by Autism Speaks. We help businesses lead the way in inclusive hiring. What about a ranch hand? To learn more, go to AutismSpeaks.org slash WIN. Thanks for listening to News Nation on the Go. I'm Elizabeth Vargas, delivering fact-based, unbiased news from all sides. That's my son, Jared. But the world knew him as recording artist Juice World. At the height of his fame, we lost him to an accidental drug overdose. I'm Carmela Wallace. I started Live Free 999 to remove the stigma and normalize conversations around mental health and substance abuse. I want to ensure that we never lose another Jared. Go to livefree999.org to learn more. If you need urgent support, text LF999 to 741741. Are you prepared for an emergency or disaster? Because it's not a matter of if, but when. Don't find yourself saying, I'll trust water bottles and a flashlight to save the day, but I'll be proved wrong. With a tornado approaching, I'll realize that I like a wheelchair-accessible shelter. When the floodwaters rise, I'll be up in the attic with 20 cans of beans. It's a recipe for disaster. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. Get started at ready.gov slash older adults. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Every child deserves the best teachers, facilities, and academic programs to set them up for success. At Milton Hershey School in Hershey, Pennsylvania, we make that a reality for children from qualifying families who are looking for greater opportunities. Milton Hershey School enrolls students from pre-K through 12th grade from across the United States to live and learn on a beautiful state-of-the-art campus with all costs covered. Are you looking to set your child up for success or know a child who could benefit from Milton Hershey School? Learn more at mhskids.org slash admissions. I need to file my tax return right the first time. How can I be sure to do that? Doing your taxes yourself? Using e-file is the best way to file an accurate tax return. Mistakes can delay your refund, so spend an extra few minutes making sure you can file an accurate return the first time around. Avoid common errors by spelling all names correctly and using correct social security numbers. Double check your bank account numbers for direct deposit and double check your math too. Oh yeah, don't forget to sign and date your return. All right, Senator Mitch McConnell says he is walking away from his job as Senate Minority Leader. To be fair, very, very few people walking away in politics, well, they wait until they're forced out. They don't walk out voluntarily. So credit where credit is due. But he's right, the politics are changing. And Trump said last week he doesn't even want to work with McConnell. I don't know that I can work with him. He gave away trillions of dollars that he didn't have to, trillions of dollars. He made it very easy for the Democrats when I wanted to build a wall. Graciousness in the facts has never been something that has troubled Donald Trump very much. Uh, Here with Senator Pete Ricketts of Nebraska. Good to see you, sir. Uh, Drudge Report today, you can say eulogized, but memorialized uh, Mitch McConnell's as, quote, the last bulwark against MAGA. MAGA now fully in control of the Republicans in the Senate? Well, I would say that what we're looking for is policies and getting things done. And that's what Mitch McConnell did. You can disagree with some of the things he did, which I don't agree with everything that Mitch did. But if you look at 
what he did for the Supreme Court and get constitutionalists on that? I mean, he got Gorsuch on there, not Garland, back in 2016. I mean, we've seen so what... his legacy is the Supreme yeah, Court, right? Absolutely. That, well, and all the justices he got on the federal bench. Historic tax relief, working with President Trump. I mean, that was a big deal, too, right? So he's done a lot that he can be proud of. And one of the other things that Mitch told me early on is, hey, some of our job is to stop the bad stuff the Democrats are doing. And let me tell you, in my year... I have seen a lot of bad stuff coming out of the Democrats. So we, we need to make sure that we retake the, or the, the House and the Senate this year, get the White House, so we can stop a lot of this bad policy that's coming out. I'll, I'll count you then as a fan of Mitch McConnell. But still, he made the point that I think he admitted it, right, that he's out of touch with a big part of the Republican Party. And if he's stepping down, doesn't that say that that part of the Republican Party, the MAGA part of the Republican Party, controls it now? Well, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily true. We, again, we, we have to win elections. We have to have a broad tent. So okay. we need everybody on board to be able to win elections. And I think what you see in my caucus is that we want to get results. And I think that at age 82, remember, this is when Nancy Pelosi stepped down as well, right? Mitch recognized it's time for a new generation of leadership. And I think it is time for a new generation of leadership. I'm helping bring down the average age in the Senate. Right. A lot of my freshman Republican colleagues are doing that as well. Fair enough. So it is time that we, you know. All right, well, I'm, glad you brought up, I'm glad you brought up the age issue. Joe Biden, 81 years old. He had his physical today. Uh, we'll, we'll see if we get any more information on that. Uh, President Trump, former President Trump, is 77. He'll be 82 by the time he gets done with office. Uh, Chris Steyerwald, colleague, soon to host the new show, The Hill, on Sunday. That's coming up this Sunday to launch. Could President Joe Biden find the faith in American humility to step aside during an election year as Johnson did? What if Donald Trump, before his second impeachment, had resigned, saying Trump should have done what Nixon um, did? Uh, Mitch McConnell's 82 saying, thanks, I'm, I'm going to see, see my way. I think you probably would agree Joe Biden is too old to be president of the United States as well. Is Donald Trump also too old? Well, let's start with Joe Biden, first of all. I thought that guy was unfit to be president three years ago when okay. I voted against him. Okay. So... Joe, I, I, Joe, I wasn't Biden, concerned about your feeling as Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden's age is just the end of his problems. He has a lot of problems. Okay, before. fair enough. And I think it gets back to, again, do you have the competency to do a job? Joe Biden never had the competency, right? Okay. He'd never run anything before. He was wrong on every major foreign policy issue. You know, Bob Gates, former defense secretary, versus Donald Trump, who has run things before. In fact, that includes the United States, where he delivered historic tax relief. I mean, think about it. If you ask people today, are you better off today than you were three years ago? Most people are going to say no because they're paying $11,400 okay. more for the same stuff they had under President Trump. So it's about the quality of the, the, the policies the person's going to go forward. And we actually know... So you don't Trump think Donald Trump's are. too old? Not at all. I think we, uh, Donald Trump is somebody who's demonstrated that he can actually get results... He's done that for our economy. Remember, if you saw all the great things with regard to record employment for African Americans, for Asian Americans, for Latinos, if you saw, you, we saw the income inequality shrink during his administration, the record number of Americans being employed, he's got a track record that actually demonstrates success, whereas we've got a president now who's got a track record of failure. Everything he does falls apart, whether it's Afghanistan, the southern border. Biden has demonstrated that regardless of okay. how old he is, he keeps failing. All right, so that's an endorsement for Donald Trump for president. Well, <laughs> as you know, I, I've uh, said you, I'm going to support whoever the nominee is. Okay. So we still got an active race going on right and now. So you, but, so you think Nikki, Nikki, so you're not going to support anybody until what? They get 1,250 delegates? Until we actually have an official nominee. That's okay. the person I'm going to get on board with. All right. 
right. Senator. It's good to Thank see you. you. Thank you, as always. Thanks. appreciate the time. Coming up next, walls of fire. You know something about this in Nebraska. It happens there as well. Why ranchers in Texas must now choose between their lives and their livelihoods, their cattle, as an area the size of Rhode Island burns out of control. An area roughly the size of Rhode Island is now on fire in North Texas. We saw this video early this morning and knew it was a story we had to cover. In its way, oil fields, there's a nuclear weapons facility, hundreds of thousands of cattle, hundreds of homes. At this hour, high winds and dry conditions keep pushing the flames higher, forcing more towns to evacuate, some with just minutes notice. Owners of the Canadian Inn in Canadian, Texas, Sam and Christy, Sierra, Mateo are with us now. We're so glad you guys are alive and well. I know the fire was all around you. Uh, how, how is it possible to have flames like that in your guys' house survived? Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's a, a, almost a miracle. And in fact, uh, you know, we, we got trapped um, in town here with a couple hundred other people and um, we tried to evacuate. There was, um, we, we ran out of time and, um, we essentially, all the roads were blocked by either walls of smoke, like you're looking at here, uh, flames. Um, the outskirts of town were, were blocked. All the exits were blocked, but the, but the center of town still remained, uh, intact. So, so a lot of the structures were still okay. And our motel, uh, thankfully where we live, uh, remained okay. Um, but you couldn't get out of town and it was just full of smoke in, in town. I've got chills as I'm hearing this and I've been in a lot of war zones in my life. Some of these pictures look like war zones and now we're watching horses run down highways. What's happening to all the livestock, the thousands and, and tens of thousands of cattle? We've been hearing from some of our friends that they've lost um, animals, they've lost pets. But as far as for the ranchers, I I just hope and pray that, you know, most of them make it. Yeah, I don't know how anybody survives it. You know, t- Texas is a different world in terms of how people take care of each other. And you can see the firefighters driving through this wall of fire. Uh, what, are, what are you all going to do? How... How do you come back from this? We don't know. The only thing that we can offer is, you know, a place to stay for displaced um, homeowners. Um, are people coming? Are people coming to you guys? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have we have some folks here that uh, that have either uh, lost uh, homes or lost electricity or water, and um, you know, we had a. We went from 80, 80 degree temperatures down to 25 last night. It's supposed to be 22 or something tonight. Um, so if they've lost water and electricity, they can't go home, uh, even if they have a home and they don't have electricity or water. Um, because some of the electrical poles, the telephone poles uh, or, or electrical poles literally burned up and, and fell down. And um, so some of the electric is down. Uh, luckily, it, it, that didn't hit here. But um, so, so some of those are affected. Um, I just, I'm, so I'm just to, thinking about you guys trapped in a city surrounded by a wall of fire. It sounds like a bad movie, but it actually, it actually yeah. happened. Th- thankfully, you guys are okay. Wow. And now we're looking, 
uh, at all the homes that that the fire yeah. the flames swept through and they are still the flames are still out of control correct um so the no not not here they've they've pretty much passed yeah, over no, here they're yeah, no, I just saying in, in some of the other parts of Texas, I know Oklahoma as well. Yeah. Sam and Christy, yeah. um, we're glad you guys are okay. Um, a horrifying, terrifying experience. Thanks for sharing it with us. Um, stay safe. We'll talk to you guys uh, soon. And I know there's a lot of folks who are happy that, that the motel is still there for you to take care of them. Thank you. Uh, Thanks, speaking of Texas, both President Biden and President Trump are going to be in Texas tomorrow. Uh, They're going to be visiting the border. As we've told you, nothing's going to change because of their border visit, but they'll be there. Joe Biden visiting one of the places with the least number of crossings, Donald Trump with the most number of crossings uh, in Eagle Pass. We're going to have a lot more on their visit tomorrow in War Notes. Gives you a free look at the show every day at 4 p.m. Our thoughts on the most important stories of the day. Go to warnotes.com and subscribe. We'll also see you on social media until tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern. Here's Chris. Hey, I'm Chris Cuomo. We have a really big show tonight. Uh, Look, it seems like a murder may determine the presidential race. Why? The big ticket issue domestically is immigration. And the clash over the border is now viewed through the lens of a murder. And you know which one I'm talking about. Lakin Riley, this kid that everybody loved at the University of Georgia, who was murdered by a man who entered America illegally. Now, tomorrow, President Biden and former President Trump are both heading to the southern border. So first of all, you know the immigration matters, but isn't it too late for photo ops? We have Republican congressman from Texas, Dan Crenshaw. Now, I believe he is part of the leadership of the future of this country.